place that I go for some sweet inspiration. A place that I know for the healing of the nations. There is a place in this town where they share a human vision. So come on downtown. Feel the power of their mission. Come on downtown. Share the power of their vision. If you are looking for love, I cannot tell you what to do. If you're looking for truth, look inside of you. If you're looking for God, that's between God and you. If you're looking for peace, tell your friends the news. If you're looking for peace, tell everyone the news. Gandhi's camping out at City Hall. Gandhi's camping out at City Hall. Gandhi's camping out. At City Hall every day, Gandhi's camping out. At City Hall every night, every day, every night. Through all kinds of weather, getting stronger and better. They got the power because they got the heart. And they got the vision. Feeling helpless, and you don't know where to start. Before taking action, take back your heart. If you have lost it, you can find it. If you go camping too, with Gandhi and friends at City Hall with you, with Gandhi and family at City Hall right there with you. It's our nature to love, not our nature to kill. So down at the peace camp, it's no mystery. They're simply doing what comes naturally. They're simply being what comes naturally. Gandhi's camping out at City Hall. Gandhi's camping out. At City Hall, Gandhi's camping out. At City Hall, every day, Gandhi's camping out. At City Hall, every night, every day, every night. Through all kinds of weather, getting stronger and better. They got the power, cause they got the heart. And they got the vision. It's our nature to love, not our nature to kill. 
So down at the peace camp, it's no mystery. They're simply doing what comes naturally. They're simply being what comes naturally. Gandhi's camping out at City Hall. Come on down, Gandhi's camping out. At City Hall, won't you join him? Gandhi's camping out. At City Hall, every day, Gandhi's camping out. At City Hall, every night, every day, every night, through all kinds of weather, getting stronger and better. They got the power, cause they got the heart, and they got the vision. Welcome to Great Speeches and Interviews on Acts of Sacramento and The Voice. I'm Steve Lerman. Today's program is Does U.S. Military Intervention in the Middle East Help or Hurt? Before going into a description of this program, I'd like to offer a short quote from Benjamin Franklin, the fellow on the $100 bill. After much occasion to consider the folly and mischief of a state of warfare and the little or no advantage obtained even by those nations who have conducted it with the most success, I've been apt to think that there has never been nor ever will be any such thing as a good war or a bad peace. And now on to the description. The United States has been a major military player in the Middle East for decades. Whether that is in the best interests of the United States and the world has been a source of controversy for just as long. focus of this debate is the U.S. bombing campaign against the Islamic State in Iraq and Syria. But that's just part of the broader discussion in a region that is also includes other troubled nations where the U.S. has been involved, such as Libya, Pakistan, and Afghanistan. In this debate, two teams of foreign policy experts face off on the motion. Flexing American muscle in the Middle East will make things worse. Once upon a time, the U.S. had it all worked out. Speak softly and carry a big stick. As we all learned in the seventh grade, those were the words of Teddy Roosevelt, his wise approach to the world. There was just one thing about it, and that was about the big stick. He didn't say how big it should be and how fast we should swing it and at who and how often. And those are questions that are bedeviling the United States right now. When they're cutting off the heads of Americans in a Middle East that is in a spin cycle of disintegration. And what is the U.S. supposed to do about this? And with its big stick, which is the strongest military on earth. And how is that speaking softly thing really working out? Well, this sounds like the makings of a debate, so let's have it. Yes or no to this statement. Flexing America's muscles in the Middle East will make things worse. A debate from Intelligence Squared U.S. I'm John Donvan. We are at the Kaufman Music Center in New York City. We have four superbly qualified debaters, two against two, who will argue for and against this motion, flexing America's muscles in the Middle East will make things worse. As always, our debate goes in three rounds, and then you, our live audience here in New York, votes to choose the winner, and only one side wins. Our motion, flexing America's muscles in the Middle East will make things worse. Let's meet the team arguing for the motion. Please, ladies and gentlemen, first welcome Aaron David Miller. 
And Aaron David Miller, uh, you uh, are at the Wilson Center. You served for two decades at the Department of State, helping formulate U.S. policy on the Middle East and the Arab-Israeli peace process, an aspiring peacemaker. Uh, in 1990, though, you were working with Secretary of State James Baker, who said to you rather famously, uh, Aaron, if I had another life, I would want to be a Middle East specialist just like you, because it would mean guaranteed permanent employment. <laughs> was he right about that? Baker, Baker was one smart guy. He, he had no idea just how right he was. All right, thanks, Aaron David Miller. And Aaron, your partner is? Paul Pillar. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Paul Pillar. Paul, welcome. And you are also arguing for the motion flexing America's muscles in the Middle East will make things worse. You are a senior fellow at the Center for Security Studies at Georgetown. 28 years as an analyst at the CIA, you once said an interesting thing that in major foreign policy decisions, though you were at the CIA, you said intelligence is not the decisive factor. It's actually something about the leader himself, his own strategic sense, his lessons from history, his personal experience, even his personal neuroses. Is that true for President Obama? Well, the president hasn't invited me to the White House for one of those chats over a beer to talk it over. But uh, like all of our other presidents, he's a human being and he's a political animal, too. And so the answer, John, is yes. All right. Thank you. Paul Pillar. Our motion is this. Flexing America's muscles in the Middle East will make things worse. And we have two teams arguing against the motion. Please, folks, let's welcome Michael Duran. Michael, you're a senior fellow at the Brookings Institute, and prior to that, uh, you were a professor at Princeton. You also served as uh, Deputy Assistant Secretary of Defense uh, in Public Diplomacy. You were a senior director for the Near East and North Africa uh, at the National Security Council. Um, And we were listening to a a recent interview you gave where you actually advised people not to take up Middle Eastern studies. (laughs) Why is that? Um, Because uh, it's so contentious that uh, if you say anything serious, you'll be deeply hated. Uh, so you, you have a choice between being boring and anodyne and, and liked or, or serious and hated. <laughs> All right. Thanks very much. Mike Duran, ladies and gentlemen. And Mike, your partner is? Wall Street Journal and Pulitzer Prize winning columnist, Brett Stevens. Brett Stevens, ladies and gentlemen. Brett, you are also arguing against the motion, flexing America's muscles in the Middle East will make things worse. Your your background has just been described, so I'm going to skip uh, straight to your first book, which was called America in Retreat, The New Isolationism and the Coming Global Disorder, coming out in November. And Joe Lieberman said of this book, it's worth buying even if you only read chapter nine. (laughs) What's in chapter nine? Uh, Well, the other uh, nine chapters are terrific, but in chapter nine... (laughs) Uh, You get the world as I see it in 2019 when Hillary Clinton is president and wondering why she ever wanted that job in the first place. (laughs) Thanks very much. This is the team arguing against the motion. Location, Guam, Base Camp Alpha. My name's Johnny. After high school, I didn't know what to do with myself. Should I go to college? Should I work in the factory? Or should I just hang out at the mall with my friends? Then one night I got really drunk and this guy in a uniform hands me a cigarette. And the next thing I knew, here I was with a haircut, a tattoo, and a gun sitting in a mud puddle. Hey, shut your pie hole, you worthless little maggot. Yes, sir, sir. Sorry, sir. Let's move and keep your butts down. Basic training cigarettes. Are you mom and boys ready for a three-mile run? Yes, Yes, sir, sir. I don't think so. Light those smokes. Ready? Inhale. Exhale. Inhale. 
Now you can smoke all that you can smoke in the United States Army. I don't know, but I believe. I don't know, but I believe. I can smoke through World War Three. I can smoke through World War Three. Sound off. <laughs> Warning: The Surgeon General has determined that basic training will kill you. And now back to the debate: Does U.S. military intervention in the Middle East help or hurt? On to round one. Round one are opening statements by each debater in turn. Here to speak first for the motion and making his way to the lectern, Paul Piller. He's a non-resident senior fellow at the Center for Security Studies at Georgetown University and at the Brookings Institution. He served 28 years in the U.S. intelligence community. He is here to argue for the motion. Flexing America's muscles in the Middle East will make things worse. Ladies and gentlemen, Paul Piller. I want to start by talking about how we ought to think about this question, we hear a lot of if-only kind of arguments. If only we used force here or used more force, or if only we had used more force or put our troops in here or there, something better would happen. Lots of speculation, lots of counterfactuals. We don't have to dwell just with speculation and counterfactuals. We have a real record out there of having done a lot of application of military force in in this region. Uh, Data point number one, in fact, it's a whole string of data points, was, of course, the invasion of Iraq, which extended an expedition for another eight and a half years. That made things a lot worse for the United States, considering the trillion dollars of cost and the casualties and everything else. It made things worse for the region because it was a negative example of the so-called birth pangs of democracy and because it stimulated the kinds of sectarian conflict and consciousness we see in Syria and elsewhere. And it was certainly bad for Iraq, where it touched off a civil war that has never ended and also gave rise to various forms of extremism, that group ISIS, or Islamic State, or ISIL, or whatever you want to call it, that we're so worried about today, it was born under a different name as a direct response to our invasion of Iraq. ISIL did not exist before we went into Iraq. Now, one thing you hear often in the sort of if-only category is, if only we had somehow kept troops there beyond the eight and a half years, but the fact is we did try to up the ante militarily. We had the so-called surge. Remember that? And it, along with some other factors, like disillusionment with the extremists among Iraqi Sunni Arabs, temporarily brought down the level of violence. But the surge failed in its more fundamental political objective of providing the space for Iraqi politicians to reach an accommodation and build a new and more stable Iraqi political order. Let me just mention one other thing in the past briefly, because it comes under a different administration, uh, the intervention in Libya. Now, there you already have a, a civil war going, but we used force to help overthrow Gaddafi, and look at the mess that Libya is in now, about the closest thing we have in the region to a total anarchy. So what's going on here? Why do we have these unfortunate results? Well, I think there are several patterns that we've seen again and again. One is military force is good to accomplish a lot of things. It's pretty poor to accomplish a lot of other things. The U.S. military is a great hammer, but some of the thorniest problems we've got in the Middle East simply are not nails. Building political and social order is not primarily a matter of killing people. One's a matter of construction, the other's a matter of destruction. What has mattered again and again in places like Syria and Iraq and Libya and elsewhere is political will and political culture and the will to reach political accommodation. And that can't be injected through the barrel of a gun. Thank you. Thank you, Paul Piller. 
And that's our motion, flexing America's muscles in the Middle East will make things worse. And our next debater will be speaking against the motion. I'd like to welcome to the lectern Brett Stevens. He is a deputy editorial page editor and foreign affairs columnist for the Wall Street Journal and author of the forthcoming book, America in Retreat, The New Isolationism and the Coming Global Disorder. Please welcome Brett Stevens. The proposition we are debating this evening is this. Flexing America's muscles in the Middle East will make things worse, by which we mean intervening militarily. Notice that it falls to Paul and Aaron to defend that statement categorically. They must convince you that no matter what the circumstance, U.S. military intervention in the Middle East cannot be the answer. But also notice this. Michael and I are not arguing the opposite case. We are not saying bomb every time and everything. We are not saying whatever the question, war is the answer. What we are arguing is not dogma and not absolutism. We are arguing the case for pragmatism. Ladies and gentlemen, ask yourselves this. If you were the president and you were in a position to use force to prevent the massacre by ISIS of the Yazidi people, would you authorize force? Would you send flights of F-18s to relieve the siege of Sinjar Mountain? Or would that simply have made things worse? If you had been George H.W. Bush in the spring of 1991, when Saddam Hussein was besieging the Kurds in northern Iraq, would you have launched Operation Provide Comfort to save them? Or did that just make things worse? All of this is an example of flexing America's muscles of using the American military in the service of a good cause. So the question before you tonight is, are you for it, at least occasionally, or are you against it in every circumstance? Now, you heard from Paul, and soon you're going to hear from Aaron, and they will tell you, yes, but what about the intervention in Lebanon in 1983, and how did that turn out, and what about Iraq, as Paul just mentioned, and Afghanistan, and maybe the prospect of bombing Iran in the event that nuclear negotiations go nowhere. Let me make two points about this. Noting that military interventions and wars can go horribly wrong is not an argument in this debate. It is totally beside the point. Like everything in life, there are just wars and unjust wars, smart wars and dumb wars, smart wars that are badly executed and dumb wars that are well executed. And the second point is this. Telling us that actions have consequences tells us nothing about the consequences of inaction. Because what we are seeing today, contrary to what Paul just mentioned, in the Middle East, the near collapse of the Iraqi government, mass executions, the fall of cities like Mosul, Tikrit, and Fallujah, the vortex in Syria, the progressive radicalization of the Syrian opposition to the point that even al-Qaeda isn't radical enough, the beheading of, of journalists, millions of refugees straining the resources of Lebanon and Jordan and Turkey, all of this is not the consequence of flexing America's muscles. It is the consequence of a presidential decision in the last four years not to flex those muscles. I'm John Donvan, and you're listening to Intelligence Squared U.S., Oxford-style debating on American shores. Stay with us. Hello, I'm John Donvan, moderator of Intelligence Squared U.S. Join us online at iq2us.org to vote on the motion and keep the debate going. And a reminder of what's going on. We are halfway through the opening round of this Intelligence Squared U.S. debate. I'm John Donvan. We have four debaters, two against two, arguing it out over this motion, flexing America's muscles in the Middle East will make things worse. You have heard from the first two debaters, and now on to the third. I'd like to welcome Aaron David Miller. He is vice president for new initiatives at the Wilson Center. He served in the Department of State for two decades and has a new book out, 
The End of Greatness, Why America Can't Have and Doesn't Want Another Great President. He's debating for the motion. Flexing America's muscles in the Middle East will make things worse. Ladies and gentlemen, Aaron David Miller. John, um, I, I really do find myself, unfortunately, sadly, paradoxically, in the anomalous position of agreeing with almost everything Brett said. And at the risk of never being invited back to IQ2, <laughs> I I have to say at the outset that this is a national conversation that is simply too important to be constrained and confined to simple propositions. I will defend the proposition, but the nuance is clear, and Brett made the case, and that is to say there is smart muscle flexing and there is dumb muscle flexing, and that anomaly has to be reflected, not just in the debate, but in the actual execution of policy. The application of military power can be effective, can be appropriate. Bush 41, for whom I worked, pushing Saddam out of Kuwait, and go read Baker's memoir on why Bush didn't continue that operation uh, to Baghdad. Bush 43's application of military power in Afghanistan, air power, local allies, good intel, managed in a matter of months to defeat al-Qaeda and to decimate the Taliban, at least for the moment. But in recent years, I would argue to you, respectfully and humbly, we have not been nearly as effective as in years past. Let me identify four, perhaps five, cautionary tales with respect to why you need to support our rendition of this motion. Number one, there is muscle flexing as overreach. Paul has referred to Iraq, what I call not to trivialize the men and women who served, who died, and who suffered life-crippling injuries from which they will never, ever recover. This turned out to be, in my judgment, with all due respect, a trillion-dollar social science experiment that fundamentally failed. Then you have muscle flexing as bluster, that is to say, talk without action. And I would argue, even though I have supported the president's willful refusal to militarize the American role in Syria in order to defeat Assad, ISIS is a different story now, that was an example of talk without action. That is dumb muscle flexing because it erodes and undermines credibility. Presidential rhetoric has to be rooted in reality. Then we have what I call one-off muscle flexing. That's Libya. That's where we, we in NATO took eight months to take care of Colonel Q, but without much regard or thought to the implications of what would come next, and we lost the first sitting ambassador since 1979, Chris Stevens, as a consequence. And this is why this is deadly serious. What is happening tonight, this conversation, is not some sort of academic exercise. The mother of all military interventions may be not far away. If negotiations do not produce a comprehensive accord, if sanctions do not work with respect to the mullahs in Tehran, this president has set his own red line. He will not allow Iran to acquire a nuclear weapon. We have committed ourselves to the Israelis repeatedly over the last several years not to preempt. We will do it for them. So I urge you when you vote, think about the consequences and implications, both for and against, of the application of military power. All right. Aaron David Miller, I'm sorry your time is up. Thank you very much.
Messages from Access Sacramento. 